Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we have a short topic for you today, and this is an interesting one on the four-minute defense played by the Baltimore Ravens this year. Not exactly the four-minute defense we've come to know and love during the Lewis and Reed era, we'll say the least. But uh, here to join me and talk about that is Cole Philippou. Cole, how you doing? Doing well, Ken. Thanks for having me on. Uh, always a pleasure to talk football with you, Cole. Uh, need a shout-out to our sponsor first, Liquid Death, the water that will brutally murder your thirst. By now, you're probably noticing that there's strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. 
Why is it called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable Tallboy cans help bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. By now, you probably know how much I love liquid death. Well, every week I tell you about a different way I've used liquid death to mess with people. This week it was taking a cooler full of liquid death to the softball game. Because as our team chugged down liquid death, our play improved while the other team drank other stuff and maybe got a little sloppy out on the field. So take liquid death. The other team has no clue what you're doing. Or take it to work. We've talked about that many times. Drag it around to your friends at school. Maybe the carpool lane. Maybe we'll talk about the carpool lane next week. Just take liquid death. Enjoy it. It's ice cold water. You're going to have a great time and fun. Go get liquid death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find liquid death retailers near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. Uh, please give their product a try. They've been good to us. So, Cole, I want, to, I want you to introduce this topic, but first tell us, where can people talk football with you online? Yes, so I can be found on Twitter at Cole Philippou. So that's C-O-L-E-P-H-I-L-I-P-P-O-U. Don't put out a ton of content, but um, have been a little bit more active recently and, and would be glad to talk to anybody who wants to you know, talk Ravens football. All right. And so this is certainly an interesting topic, a, a very frustrating uh, set of comebacks against the Ravens this year. They've they've led in all 12 games and managed to still lose four of them. They've led by 10 or no, sorry, nine plus points in 11 of the 12. Every other team that went their first 11 games and, and it led by two scores at any point during the game had gone 11 and 0. The Ravens 7 and 4. So they win this game last week in comeback fashion themselves against the Denver Broncos. But tell us about the four minute defense and, and what you want to talk about today. Yeah, I think you, you did a good job of kind of outlining the story of the season so far for the Ravens being, you know, not being able to, to keep leads. Um, so just as a fan, I was obviously frustrated with. You know what had been happening, and I, I wanted to kind of see if, if the numbers were backing up, um, kind of some of what we've been seeing and you know, the narrative that's been surrounding the Ravens uh, being inability to finish games. Um, so, what I did is I examined the ra- the performance of the Ravens defense under four minutes and a half. So, I chose four minutes specifically because this is kind of when I thought there were, the time was affecting the offense's ability and. Um, almost there uh, the way the drive was was being constructed so time constraint they're they're clearly rushing to score um the ravens are in a position where they need to make a stop um and and they haven't been been able to so i, I specifically totaled drive plays drive yardage yards per play plays of 10 plus yards any fourth down conversions and then the result of the drive mm-hmm. I did exclude drives where there was not an intent to score. So so there was a kneel down um, or also desperation attempts. um, So a Hail Mary. So I'm looking mostly at just traditional defensive drives. Um, And what I was able to to do from gathering this information is is take away some pretty interesting trends from the first 14 or so games of the year. So the Ravens, just for some context, they've had 121 total defensive drives. So this isn't talking just under four minutes, just over the course of the season of that 121, they have given up a touchdown or a field goal attempt on 
40% of those drives. So that's not a particularly great number. There's a couple teams, uh, the better defensive teams that are hovering in the 30s. Um, and, and obviously there's teams worse than that, um, but, mm-hmm. but a fairly good number from them. And that's been improving recently. Um, but when I just look at drives under four minutes, the Ravens have given up a touchdown or a field goal attempt. And that's what I consider kind of a, a, a reasonable chance to score for the offense um, on 66% of drives. So, so two thirds of the time um, offenses are able to, to, you know, they're, they're in a position to score with under four minutes and a half. Okay. Now the Ravens, of course, have been a pretty good points per game team, and we would expect them to be in pretty good shape. They're they're seventh in the AFC in points per game. In the NFL, they're thirteenth. So I'm sorry, I don't have that correct. In the NFL, they are ninth in points per game, tied with the Commanders. Uh, in fact, at at number nine. So we would expect them to be above average in these categories. Yeah, we would. Um, and it, it's just been surprising to see. And I, I know we, we talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago, and um, we both were you know, optimistic about the Ravens' ability to, you know, clean up some of their struggles within um, the parameters that I'm talking about. But it, it really hasn't, um, from, from my perspective, turned out that way. Um, just, you know, we're talking about the, the Broncos game last week. Baltimore's defense stifled them for essentially the entire game, right? It was, mm-hmm. We've seen great defensive play from the Ravens and, and Broncos offense is nothing to, you know, they're, they're almost historically bad, but um, to that point, the Ravens uh, played fantastic defense. And when you look at two drives in that game under four minutes and a half, the Broncos had an eight play drive of 70 yards um, with 10, with two plays of 10 plus yards that resulted in a field goal attempt. They also had that drive at the end of the game in which they were able to go 37 yards on four plays um, and, and, you know, be able to attempt a, a long field goal to win the game. Um, it's just a little bit concerning to see um, kind of a, a little bit of a consistent trend uh, where, where the Ravens defense is in a position to kind of close the door and I'm um, just, just not being able to, to do so. Mm-hmm. Another interesting mark that, I think is, is relevant here is the Ravens performance on fourth down. And they've had a ton of opportunities on fourth down where they've had a chance to close at the game as well. So the Ravens have had five chances under four minutes um, where they've, they've had a fourth down and a chance to, to close the game. Now opponents are five for five in converting those fourth downs. And it, I think it's important to note these haven't been fourth and ones, uh, fourth and inches. There's been a couple of scenarios, uh, specifically I can think of Jacksonville where um, there was a fourth and seven, I believe. And that was even followed up by um, the, the play before it was, it was third and you know, a mile. And, and this has, I think been some of the frustration is that we've seen the Ravens drop back 15 yards in a coverage on you know third and 20 and, and then give the offense a reasonable chance on fourth down. Um, that, maybe, that was that was certainly frustrating. They had a fourth and eight and a fourth and five in that Jacks game. And either one of those, they, they win the game if they can, if they can stop them there. The Ravens have been incredibly dichotomous, I'll call it, between third and fourth down. On third down, they're the second best in the National Football League, 31.2%. And that's a lot of third down attempts. Um, on fourth down, 
They are 31st in the National Football League, allowing 70.6% conversion on fourth down. Now, it is the, the median is probably around 54% on fourth down, maybe 53, 54% in that range. The median on third down, you would expect it maybe to be similar, but it's not. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely lower, which is probably a little bit surprising to some people out there. 40, between 40 and 41% is, is the median. Um, but the point being that, that, um, it's very unusual for the Ravens to be at 31% on third down and 71% almost on fourth down doesn't make any sense. And all I can look at in the fourth down is that it's really not enough total opportunities for it to make a lot of sense. I would agree. I think sample size um, is, is the thing you could point to there. Hasn't been, you know, haven't been a ton of opportunities, uh, but, but, you know, playing devil's advocate, those tend to be extremely high leverage downs. And, oh yeah. They end up a lot of times deciding the game. So when you, you know, even though you have a small sample size, those need to be the plays where, um, yeah, I guess you could call them money downs, but those need to be the plays where, you know, somebody makes a play and those, you know, got to have it, those clutch situations, um, you know, who on the defense is going to be able to, to, to close the door. I mean, I, I would agree with that. I also say that on third down as well is that you're, you're, you're including, you know, it's, it, it is a tier lower of leverage when you go from fourth to third down, but those plays are very important too. Absolutely. And especially with additions like Roquan and getting Bowser back mm-hmm. and going into a favorable part of the schedule, I really felt like this was a great opportunity for them to get back on track in these time-sensitive situations. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't really been the case um, since the New Orleans game. Uh, they've had six opportunities to play defense with under four minutes. And on five of them, they've given up points or uh, or a field goal attempt. So it's a little bit concerning to see against opponents that, you know, they, they really should be closing the door against. Um, but, I, I, but I think – go ahead, yeah. I, I was just going to say in the Jacksonville game, they really faced a quarterback and were in a situation themselves, which which was a lot more difficult than people want to admit. Uh, Jacksonville obviously not not hurt at all going into that game in much better injury shape. And in particular, uh, the Ravens didn't have uh, Kyle Hamilton to play the slot corner at the end of that game. And so that made um, Lawrence extremely effective throwing the ball. And, and just his general ball out quickness, extremely effective against who the Ravens are. Zay Jones, because of that, had the game of his life. He's never come close to 140 yards receiving before. And uh, you know, he had a huge, huge game. Absolutely. Uh, that was kind of a little bit of Brandon Stevens uh, getting exposed in the Ravens issue with their, with their third quarterback um, coming out. So it was good to see Hamilton uh, get back in against the Broncos and, and try to solidify that, that third corner spot. Um, but, but you're right. That Jacksonville game um, on paper, it's a three and seven Jacksonville team going in and, uh, many people are going to look at that game and, and think it should be um, a walk in the park for the Ravens. But uh, Trevor Lawrence played an incredible game. He made plays when he needed to. Um, and and that was, as you said, uh, on paper, not necessarily the most difficult matchup, but but in terms of watching the game, um, that, that's, that's just the way it played out. 
it was difficult to watch. That's that's for sure. And I, I just I'm so tired. I can't. I complain about this every time it comes up, but of the National Football League not getting their scheduling right about having teams play each other both coming off a bye week. It's the simplest freaking thing in the world. It does not take a set theory genius to figure this out. But it's it's so easy. Just play divisional games coming off a bye where both division teams have been off the, the, the week before. You can easily match it up with 16 pairings. Uh, and, and and you don't have this crap happen again. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I really do not understand the reluctance to make that be the rule instead of we hope it works out. And it seems like a simple, like a simple thing to fix. Um, and not only were the Ravens playing a team coming off a bye, but they were playing a team with not a single person on the injury report. Right. So it was a little bit of a perfect storm. How scary was that to see midweek and see their injury report and say no injuries report? What? <laughs> I, th- I thought it was it was a mistake. Like they, yeah. maybe they forgot to list uh, who was injured. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what what, a, what is the you know specific area that you think the Ravens need to improve, or how how do you want to move forward with this? Yeah, it, it's and I've talked a little bit about this on Twitter, and I, I think it can be attributed to a couple of things. Um, and, and this is partially me not having a uh, a direct line of sight into what goes on in the Ravens' locker room and and in their meetings, um, but there's some combination of execution. Uh, coaching and I think mentality that is going into this this lack of of performance uh, frankly um, I think McDonald at times has been um, a little bit too conservative um, in these situations I can think of one off the top of my head against New England where uh, the Ravens were playing 5 10 15 yards back and the Patriots were able to to slice down the field at the end of the half Probably not the greatest example since they got three turnovers in the fourth quarter <laughs> against New England, but uh, but I understand the, the the point you're making, and and it's a very valid one that defenses really need to gamble in the NFL. Four down football is very hard to stop. Three down football is hard to stop, but four down football is incredibly difficult to stop with today's passing offenses. If you go back to the football of my youth, it was still very very reasonable for a defense to be expected to stop four down football when you're completing 53 or 54% of your, your passes, but uh, not at 65%. That's, that's just a whole different ball game into, in terms of uh, being able to stop the pass. Right. And I, I did want to account for some sort of situational variability happening, knowing that offenses are more pressed to score in these time sensitive situations. So, you know, I understand that that is a big part of it. Um, but at the same time, right, 66% um, and, and nearly 2.86 points per drive with under four minutes and a half, it just isn't going to get it done for the Ravens because, you know, hopefully they're going to be in competitive games down the stretch and in the playoffs where they're going to need to to make a stop in order to win the game. So I think that coaching um, does have a role to play. I know I, I mentioned the New England game, and there's been several other times where as we said, the Jacksonville game that, you know, the defense is playing 15 yards off the ball and Jacksonville's really able to, to convert something that they shouldn't so easily. I think that execution has another rate of, another role to play here. And I think it's important to put some responsibility and accountability on the players as the people on the field. So We've just seen some technical breakdowns, some more mm-hmm. missed tackles than other parts of the game, blown coverages. 
notably Miami. Um, that There's only one drive under this criteria from that Miami game. So that's not necessarily skewing what we've seen, but. Um, I, even even if you look back at that Miami game, this enormous blown coverage by Hamilton was one of the really big ones. I don't I don't even think this even fits into your category here necessarily, but uh, if they allowed a sixty yard touchdown up the left sideline. That was Hamilton not being basically in the right position. So I I don't have a uh, you know I, the other touchdowns that were scored by by the Dolphins and I, I think that 68 yard drive ended up at being a 40 yard or so pass for a touchdown uh, in there at the end of it but uh, uh, there were other examples from that game where breakdowns certainly had occurred absolutely and I, I think that game might be burned in the memories of Ravens fans for a long time so I'm, I'm hoping that we turn the corner on that and I think we've certainly seen many indications that, um, you know, that's not in the past. It was a little bit of a perfect storm with uh, a new defensive coordinator, multiple rookies in the secondary and uh, facing a guy like Tyree Kill and, and Jalen Waddle. Really, when you put all those factors together, you can see how um, you you, uh, you end up with that disastrous fourth quarter. I think it's actually a good thing that, that it turned out that Tua has been good this year, that the Dolphins are actually good. And the Dolphins team that, Historically, the Ravens have had their way with, uh, certainly at home, uh, but on the road as well. And uh, it's really a shame to see a, a you know a game like this get away. It's it's uh, we had put it in the win column. Uh, the, the the people next to us in the seats who were Dolphins fans had put it in the Ravens win column, uh, and then got ugly. Yeah, it's 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 tough when you start to to really count your wins towards the end of the season, and you're thinking about tiebreakers and and things that come into play and have a game like Miami where, you know, that should be a win. And, and now there's a scenario where the Ravens end up in the wild card and they're, they're going to lose the, the tiebreaker to the Dolphins if, if they don't end up taking AFC East. Um, so, so all these things come into play and kind of come back to bite you as, as the season yeah. goes along. And if, if they had won that game, obviously, not only would they have the tiebreaker against Miami, they'd be in really good position still for, for getting the one or two in the AFC. Although you know having Lamar out is certainly reduces that probability, but but the but they'd, they'd be in much less of fear of not making the playoffs than I really have for them right now. Uh, I, I think there's a good amount of leverage on this game, but there's still something like 94 percent to make the playoffs right now. And if I if I was a betting man, I'd take the six percent side of that if I'm getting the proper price on it. I I just I, I'm not. I think the chance of a collapse is too great, uh, and and you know it'd be too similar to last year's movie to uh, uh, discount the possibility of it. It is eerily similar. Uh, injury to left tackle, uh, Huntley in the game. Yeah. It's, um, you know, you're, you're hoping as a Ravens fan that, that history doesn't repeat itself and that they've been able to take away some, um, some lessons from last year. It's a fairly similar team. And um, I think there is some faith too in Huntley because of, you know, what, what he's been able to do um, last season. Again, the wins didn't necessarily pan out, but he, he did gain some valuable experience and to kind of start his journey this year, uh, leading a, a game winning drive after what was, you know, I don't think it should be ignored that the rest of that game was not pretty, uh, but he was able to, to, you know, get it done when it mattered. And I don't know if you saw the report today, but he actually, he actually had the flu 
That's what I heard. And uh, had had barely eaten anything uh, last Sunday. So uh, it was a little bit of a Michael Jordan flu game for Tyler Huntley. I'm just glad that you know he was able to to make it work in the end. Yeah, I mean, I love to think that we could see a, a completely different player from who was out there last year. But, you know, last year, there, a player with limited pocket awareness uh, was uh, made every game a really difficult struggle. Uh, and you know, the notion that you're going to get the passing game started, sorry, that you're going to get the run game started when you have Huntley at quarterback is is very difficult because you know the very compressed defenses will play. He throws a lot of low expected yak throws in front of the defense, a lot of ball out quick stuff because his own pocket awareness is not really great. And this is this is where I'm very fearful about what could happen to the Ravens is is you know if your offense is so compressed as it is, it just it, it'll take away everything you do well um, in terms of of running the football, in terms of even good offensive line play. Right. They, they really become even, you know, more one dimensional in terms of what they can do and Huntley's limitations. You know, the, the good news is Ronnie Stanley looks like he's going to be a go for, for Pittsburgh. And he's massive to what the Ravens are, are able to do, especially going against a pass rush like TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. Uh, I, I thought for a minute that we'd see Philele uh, lined up across TJ Watt and it gave me some, uh, I think it gave me some nightmares. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm glad to see, you know, hopefully Stanley uh, get 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 back in there. That his ankle is uh, is okay after what looked like it could be a disastrous um, injury yet again. Mm-hmm. But I think that this really is it's gut check time for the Ravens. They're in another precarious situation. They don't have their MVP quarterback, um, and they're going to have to find a way to win games. Whether that's by leaning on the defense, whether that's um, through Tyler Huntley making plays that he hasn't made in the past. Um, Cincinnati is, is knocking right on the door. They're playing their best football of the season, and, and the Ravens are, are going to have to find a way to win games with um, with some you know obvious limitations, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Definitely not a not the position you want to be at in December, and, and uh, hopefully the Ravens can find a way. What else about the four-minute offense do you want to talk about? I think another interesting stat is the Ravens, how many plays they've given up of 10 plus yards. So they're giving up 10 plus yards on 26% of plays with under four minutes and a half. So I think this speaks to the offense's ability to, to effort, honestly, effortlessly move the ball against them. There's no reason that on a quarter of the plays in these situations, that the Ravens are giving up what would ultimately be a first down, assuming that there wasn't um, a sort of holding right. penalty or anything that had brought them back. Do, do you, I mean, I would expect that number to be higher with four minutes left in the half, particularly given the fact that the Ravens have led almost every single one of these games at that point. But about uh, uh, approximately what is the percentage at other times during the game? Do you have that? I don't have a percentage for other times during the game. The only percentage that I have is more in terms of scoring. So 25% of the points that they've given up this year have been with under four minutes as opposed to 75% uh, during the rest of the game. All right. I'm going to try and find that if I can, while we're finishing up this, maybe I'll have it by the end of this. 
All right. You do make a good point, you know, in situations where the Ravens are obviously facing an offense that's trying to move the ball down the field quickly, that they're naturally going to give up more plays of 10 plus yards. Yeah. I mean, they're throwing every down and, you know, even there's other things that come into play as you're talking about the last minute or minute and a half of a game where, you know, you may be perfectly happy to play off coverage, play, you know, allow a 15 yard quarterback run, a 10 yard quarterback run. We certainly saw Denver, you know, do some of that at the end of the game. Uh, they, they rushed twice for 21 with Wilson. Those are his only two rushes of the game. And they otherwise they only rushed for 67 yards and a really bad yards per carry number before that. So it's, I, there are reasons why it's in a defense's best interest, whether it's inbound tackle or just needing to play off, that you're going to give up more of those plays at the end of the game. And the general nature of the offense is going to be you trade yardage for turnovers. You trade you trade getting you trade turnovers for yardage. I said so. You trade the additional risk of turnovers for incremental yardage on a per play basis. So you would expect there to be more of them. I just don't, I, it doesn't immediately jump off the page at me that 26.3% is a terrible number. It might be, I just don't know. Yeah. I think some of it has come from uh, watching the game as a fan. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of how this all started. Um, I I didn't kind of compile any of these numbers until six or seven games through the year when I'd started to notice poor play in these moments. Um, and as it turns out, they've, they've given up um, a touchdown or field goal attempt in every single game this year under four minutes with, except with, besides the, uh, the Carolina Panthers, they had one drive that game and they actually got an interception. That is terrible. <laughs> it's just awful. It's, it's not great. And it's, I think they've, they've given it up in a variety of different ways. You've seen blown coverages, you've seen, um, kind of mental lapses, uh, perhaps coaching decisions that um, have come into question. And I think that, if anything, is a little bit concerning um, because there's been some different holes that have, that have you know, kind of been exposed um, over the course of the season. But at the same time, right, they, they don't have a, a glaring weakness that is um, hindering their ability to be good in these moments. They have the horses to be able to be dominant. They've shown that they're dominant throughout the course of the, you know, of games. And it's just a matter of, of, you know, getting over whatever hump uh, that there is, or, you know, like I said, whether it's, it's execution, uh, perhaps coaching mentality, combination of, of those um, just, just being able to be dominant when it matters most. So that was going to be my next question was, do you believe what's happened so far is really predictive on who this def- uh, of who this defense is. So I, I've got my feeling about that, and I'll, I'll take either side of this argument because I've got to be able to make a good argument either way. But, uh, but you go ahead and tell me first. I think they absolutely have the talent to be dominant in these situations. I think at the same time, when you look at a trend over the course of a season, and we're almost at a full season, um, and as they've gotten healthier and as they played worse opponents, I would have liked to see uh, this, you know, their, their four minute defense improve mm-hmm. and significantly improve. And, and I just, you know, the, the numbers don't, don't tell that story. 
Um, it does mean uh, I'm still optimistic as a fan and as, you know, what I see on paper that, that, that this defense can put it together and, and make the, the necessary plays down the stretch to win the game. I just, I'm just not sure that we've seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I, you kind of took both sides of that. So I'll, I'll kind of take both sides too. If I were to say that the, the, the Ravens were going to continue this kind of thing, I think it would come down to uh, other teams ability to pick on the Ravens third and fourth cornerbacks. And I'm, I'm scared of 11 personnel right now. I'm petrified of 10 personnel, the team that can put four wide receivers on the field. I just don't know how the Ravens counter that. I, I don't I, I don't know what I mean I I know how they'll probably try to counter it I just don't think they'll be effective you know in, in doing it um, so I think there there are reasons why it could it could be this bad on the other hand um, looking at where the Ravens are this season now they've got their outside linebacker core where they want it they've got healthy guys back they can use them how they want to use them to optimize their play as opposed to just using them out of necessity and playing the same guys most of the game as they were early in the year when a fair amount of these stats were racked up, particularly against Miami, for example. You look at the at the um, defensive back situation, they went most of this year trying to pick and muddle and figure out who was their third cornerback, and they finally settled on what I think is the right guy, and that's Kyle Hamilton uh, playing the slot. So they've at least fixed, quote-unquote, that for right now. I, they don't have a fourth cornerback, that's for sure, and they don't have a – a real third cornerback. They're, they're just saying the best guy we got to cover is, is Kyle Hamilton, our number one draft pick safety uh, in the slot. And the other elements of defense, adding Roquan, you know, making Queen a, a, a better pass rusher, some of the things Roquan can give you in pass defense uh, in terms of particularly in tackling after the catch, I think have added significantly. So it, there is, there's some opponents coming up that will – know a lot about how the Baltimore Ravens play defense and and know a lot about how they want to attack them. And they'll have two games in some cases to do it. The Browns playing a second game, the Bengals playing a second game, the Steelers playing two games yet, yet. Uh, so those teams will have a, you know, a second crack um, at the Ravens. Uh, that's, that's a, that's an element that could be fearful. On the other hand, I think the Ravens are, are very um, well built across the three levels with the exception of what they can show you at slot corner. So you may know this. Have we seen Hamilton against kind of a twitchier uh, opponent in the slot? Not really. I mean, he's, he's been mostly on uh, bigger, heavier guys. And, and this week, uh, the, the Steelers have the ability to put more guys in there that are not just big receivers. Um, but you know, if, if Chase Claypool was moving the slide, he's been traded, but if Chase Claypool were still on this team, he, he might be somebody that Hamilton, you, you actually match with that you, you move him around to, to find him. I'm trying to think of who else the Steelers have on their, on their roster right now, who is like a, a larger receivers, but I, I was doing the know your foe episode the other day. And there were, it was one guy who was like six, three, 200 ish. And let me see if I can remember who that was now. That's that's Pickens, actually. So he's a dangerous receiver, obviously, not the best guy. The rest of their guys are a little bit smaller. Deontay Johnson, uh, Steven Sims is 5'10", 176. They have Mar- they have uh, Miles Boykin on the team, 6'4", yeah. 200. You could, you could try putting Hamilton on him, but Miles Boykin would burn him in terms of speed contest. So there's only a, a short period of time where he can... He can do that. I actually think that's a pretty 
bad matchup for him. Interesting. Yeah, and I think another follow-up um, kind of thing to think about. I know we've seen, you know, Hamilton be able to step up in that role, which has been fantastic. I don't think anybody going into the season um, thought that he would end up in that role. Um, so his ability to be able to take away tight ends and, and uh, slot receivers with size has been valuable. I have been a question about, and, you know, maybe you have some thoughts on this. I certainly do in terms of Humphrey lining up against a dominant receiver. So normally they uh, Humphrey and Peter stay on their respective sides and don't necessarily mm-hmm. shadow a receiver. I would like to see Humphrey really just, just follow around the top receiver on, on a given team. If there's a clear target there with kind of Peters having some up and down play, I think I would feel confident in Marlon Humphrey, let's say lining up against, and this is a little bit different with the Steelers because they had Pickens and Deontay Johnson who can both give you uh, problems. Uh, but, but against a team like say Buffalo to have Marlon Humphrey shadow Stefan Diggs, um, and then let Peters kind of fill in elsewhere. I, I haven't seen the Ravens do that and it's not really something they've, necessarily philosophically do um, but it's kind of been a point of frustration that i've noticed uh, down the stretch too right i i i understand what you're saying it's something the ravens don't like to do and one of the things that you you don't always think about yeah sure it's great to have humphrey trail a particular receiver but but the other thing that goes with that is somebody else has to move so you get Peters playing and maybe he doesn't like playing over that shoulder as much anymore. And I don't know. I honestly don't know how big a deal that is for Marcus Peters or if he's playing downhill or he's pressing or whatever, or if he's just feeling the receiver along the sideline, if he really prefers to play over one shoulder, but the, you know, you you are going to have to move somebody. And if you think about moving Humphrey into the slot, what does that do? Does that leave Hamilton on the outside one-on-one with somebody? Cause that could create its own problems that you really wouldn't want to do. And that's, that'd be the first thing I'd try and do is take Humphrey out of his sideline element, put him on the slot on a twitchier guy and see if the, the Ravens want to keep following after that. Uh, Cause that doesn't, uh, that, that sounds to me like it might create, create other problems outside of the Humphrey matchup. And it also might de-optimize Humphrey's play to be in the slot. Right. It's a good point. I think there's, there's a reason the Ravens haven't gone that route. And I think they ultimately do have, you know, faith in Peters, and he think he has shown enough um, this year. Even though it, he's he's had moments, he's been up and down, uh, but he has come through and he's made big plays. I think that Carolina game was one where he really left his mark on an offense that really couldn't move the ball. Um, so Marcus Peters is still Marcus Peters, and he still gives you um, the ability to to turn the ball over. And I think he only has—I don't even know if he does have an interception this year. Um, Nothing recently, but he has forced a couple of fumbles and playing more of a Marlon Humphrey role recently, um, being able to strip the ball out. But yeah, I think the Ravens' success is going to be highly correlated with with Peters' play. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, he's so the Ravens don't have a lot of players, so a lot of players at corners they have to depend on who they have. And obviously, uh, you know, Peters is a guy who needs to play better than he has so far this year, but he hasn't been terrible, but the Ravens need more out of him than what they've got so far. I'll tell you what, Cole, really appreciate you coming on and talking about the defense and some of the, some of the ways they can fix the four minute defense, perhaps, uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you one more time. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Cole Philippou. That's C-O-L-E-P-H-I-L-I-P-P-O-U. Be happy to talk to you. 
All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you want to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I'm always eager to, to hear from you. Think of me as a, as a sports talk show call in. You don't have to come up with the greatest analytic uh, thing to do that, although Cole, I think, has done a good job with this. Uh, but but just have a topic you're passionate about that you want to talk about the ins and outs of and something we can get done in about 20 to 25 minutes uh, and can be posted to give the listeners some shorter alternatives for film study content. I, I, I still think we're we're struggling to meet some of the shorter attention spans out there and hopefully get them even introduced to film study. I know I have that problem when I look at Ukraine videos. So, uh, uh, you know, I, un- I understand folks out there now a little bit better about this. But Cole, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.